think I'm smoking too much. <laughs> Never, man. Uh, yeah. Got to go back to the edibles. Oh, shit. It's the coin toss. One surprise topic off the rip. Two sides of a coin. Tarek, heads or tails? I mean, I'm the only one here, so I'm going to say heads or tails, because either way I win, right? Ooh, good thinking. <laughs> it's heads. All right, I win. Nice. Good call, though. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so since it's just the two of us, I got a question for you. Uh, I, as you know, am holding a lot of Gronk bags right now. I probably have like five shares of Gronk. Should I release them? Is it time? No. Uh, I have a few shares of Gronk as well. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm sad that Gronk has uh, decided to hang it up because... I, I thought the way that the Bucks were acting, you know, they really all they did was draft Kate Otten, uh, who is not somebody that I'm excited about as a receiving tight end. So I just thought the way they were behaving signified that they were going to or they were expecting that Rob Gronkowski was going to come back. All that being said, I'm not dropping Rob Gronkowski. I think there's still a chance that he comes back at some point in the year. Like they throw some money at him and he decides that he's bored and he wants to hang out with his bros in Tampa again. So for the time being, I'm definitely holding on to him. I imagine that's what you're doing too. I mean... I don't know. I was hoping you would tell me to drop him actually. I'm looking... Nah, man. Uh, yeah, look, it just it sucks that he's just going to take up space for a while, right? Like we're we're talking about the off chance that that they call him like week eight and that he suits it up like week ten and then performs like Gronkowski. Yeah. Right? Like that's that's not going to happen, I don't think. And it, even if it does, like what kind of reward are you gonna get? So Yeah, I, you're probably gonna get skinny Gronk again, right? Yeah. Uh or like when he came back from retirement and he was like skinny <laughs> yeah he was like half the man he used to be yeah so i'm just i'm worried that the time is actually now and when when is it when are we going to realize that it's time like after training camp no i if the the two or three places i have gronk i am planning on holding him all year so and i, I will drop him once the the real nfl playoffs come around all right uh, burning a roster spot but i mean me too man i i think like because it's just like a barren wasteland in in waiver territory right now but like i swear to god the the first opportunity i find something shiny and new I, i'm telling you i'm gonna think about it yeah well fair enough What the fuck is going on, everyone? Welcome in to the Long Game Dynasty podcast, a weekly roundtable discussion about Dynasty fantasy football. I'm your host, Tarek Angry T. Benshuya. And with me today, I, I mean, I'm not really your host. We're going we're gonna to co-host this thing. It's Mitch Yates. We're going we're gonna to tag team it, man. How are you feeling? Just the two of us. I'm feeling really good. I... I actually, well, I'm feeling even better because I just completed a trade right before the show started. 
I traded for Patrick Mahomes and DJ Moore in exchange for the stiff price of Joe Burrow, Devonta Smith, and Hunter Renfro. Oh, that is an easy, easy dub. Yeah. I so. scared the living shit out of my cats when I celebrated, man. They all went running. Yeah. I mean, I think we're going to talk about, you know, Patrick Mahomes' team today, but. I think there is a growing movement out there of Joe Burrow is greater than Patrick Mahomes in Dynasty. I think that movement is growing, and I think your trade uh, is is a data point in that movement. You actually implanted that in my head, which is why I sought out to make this trade. I sent mm-hmm. it, and I kind of giggled. Uh, I was like, <laughs> wouldn't that be cool? Turns out it's cool. Yeah, give me... Patrick Mahomes by a mile over Joe Burrow. I mean, I love Joe Cool, but it's Patrick Mahomes all day. And then give me DJ Moore by a mile over Devontae Smith. And Hunter Renfro is not enough to make up the difference, man. So I yeah. love it. Um, if if you're a Joe Burrow manager out there, go float that for Patrick Mahomes. You do that 10 times out of 10. Quick shout out to the, uh, the Target Hog boys. Um, what, Nick the Genius and Philly Cheese. Thanks for having me in that boss hog invitational league i appreciate it um and uh yeah the forum's pretty swell too guys all right speaking of patrick mahomes today part six of eight in our divisional preview in which we aim to talk about every dynasty relevant player and today of all days we have the holy grail of divisions Mm. the division that was fun last year but got super duper charged early this offseason, and that is the AFC Dick Slingin' West. Without yeehaw. further ado, yes, yeehaw indeed. And without further ado, I think we should just get into it. So let's jump in to maybe the least exciting team in the division, but still an exciting team to talk about, and that is the Las Vegas Raiders. And the quarterback out in the desert is Derek Carr. You know, Mitch, in a lot of ways, Derek Carr He was just kind of Derek Carr last year. He was quarterback 16 on 15.9 points per game. He did have a career high in passing yards over 4,800 yards there. And he had a handful of games where he got you back end quarterback one numbers uh, and just as many games where, you know, he kind of farted in the wind. He (laughs) gave you 9, 10, 11 points, you know, nothing that is going to put you over the top. However, He was throwing the ball deeper down the field than I think we're accustomed to seeing Derek Carr do. His yards per attempt was a very respectable 7.7, and he was throwing the ball on the money with a play-action completion percentage and clean pocket completion percentage, both in the top three, and that is per player profiler. So Mitch, with a massive weapon upgrade, you know, a guy we're going to talk about here in a little bit, And at only 31 years old, do you think Derek Carr deserves top 15 consideration as a dynasty quarterback? And on keep trade cut, he's already there at quarterback 14. Well, my answer for that is no. That's going to be an actual hard no. So I think Derek is going to sling it this year, no doubt. But he's stuck at quarterback 18 for me. And it's not that I don't think that he won't finish like a low-end quarterback one this year. I think he's actually got a good shot at finishing around quarterback 12 or quarterback 13. But that's it. And when the quarterback's best-case scenario is a low-end quarterback one, I can't justify ranking him any higher than a mid-range quarterback two with upside. And this is why I choose guys like Aaron Rodgers over Carr every single time. 
So Carr has the most powerful offense he's ever had. He's got weapons for days, and he's in a division that's going to be putting up points. But, like, his ceiling is just that. He doesn't run. Uh, and the best finish he's ever had was uh, quarterback 12 in 2016. And last year, he was quarterback 13. And to be clear, the difference between quarterback 1 and quarterback 13, where he was, is absolutely massive. Mm-hmm. Josh Allen had 474 points and Carr had 302. The point I'm trying to make here is that even if Carr finishes like career best quarterback nine overall or something like that, he's going to do it with like 350 fantasy points at his best. And that's something he's literally never done in his career. And for perspective, Kirk Cousins has passed 350 points three times in his career. Aaron Rodgers eats 400 fantasy points on the reg. Like, Derek Carr is the real fancy Kirk Cousins catch-up, man. Yeah, I I tend to agree with you here. I've got him at quarterback 18, so I'm right in lockstep with you. And I think him and Kirk Cousins are essentially interchangeable. Like, these are guys that aren't going to run the ball. They're probably going to throw it a decent amount. They've got some good weapons, and they've got a chance to finish as low-end quarterback ones, right? But they're both in their early 30s. You know, they're not going to offer you top five upside on a weekly or a yearly basis. So, you know, guys I have right ahead of Derek Carr and Kirk Cousins are Mac Jones, you know, who is essentially them, but eight years younger. Zach Wilson, who, okay, maybe he doesn't have the floor, but his ceiling is really high. And then, you know, I got Deshaun Watson, you know, I'll, we'll defer until next week or the week after when we talk about NFC North for him and Matt Stafford, right. Who we talked about last week is, is kind of fancy Kirk Cousins. So you can maybe make the argument that he's fancy Derek Carr as well. But yeah, I mean, you know, Derek Carr, he's a fine quarterback, you know, I think he's probably going to have one of his better years, but I, I don't see the ceiling that makes me want to invest in him over some of the younger guys in his range. I got Tua Tungavailoa right behind Derek Carr at quarterback 20, and that's kind of where you have to make the decision is with Tua, with Brady, who maybe only has one year, with Kenny Pickett, right? The other guys above him, I think the ceiling just outweighs uh, what you're going to get from Derek Carr moving forward. Yeah, I think we're on the same page here, bud. All right, that sounds good. We will move on to the wide receiver room. So Mark Davis, owner of the Las Vegas Raiders, fresh off cutting his own hair under a bowl back in March, (laughs) he said, God damn it, I want Devontae Adams. So he went out and he got Devontae Adams, paid the Raiders, uh, or he paid the Packers, excuse me, two first-round picks and a $140 million contract to acquire him. You know, I'm not sure I have to like list all of the lofty statistics that make Devontae Adams who he is. So I'll just ask you this. What are we expecting out of Devontae Adams reuniting with his college quarterback in silver and black? Before I answer that, I I think I'd like to just throw out there that when I met you, I'm pretty sure I had that bowl haircut back in the day. You know, my mom allowed me to get that stupid-ass haircut when I was a kid. And I'm, I'm glad I don't have kids, because if they asked me to get that, I would show them a picture of Mike Davis, or Mark Davis, sorry. I would show them a picture of Mark Davis and uh, point to this and be like, you sure you want to look like this cheese dick? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if I, we were five years old, so I don't remember if I... Uh, oh, I was rocking that. 
Yeah, but okay, cool. So anyway, Devontae Adams. Yes, Devontae Adams. My expectations are still just as high as they were with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. He is still a wide receiver one, as he's always been. And I I don't see the drop off here. Like, sure, the shower narrative is real. But look, Derek Carr, like I said, if he finishes as a low end quarterback one, like I expect, He's going to be slinging it. It, This is tough because, yeah, there's the shower narrative. It abounds. Obviously, Derek Carr and Devontae Adams have a crush on one another. But do I necessarily expect Devontae Adams to command the 30-plus percent target share that he did in Green Bay when guys like Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro, some of the running backs who can catch passes are there as well? I mean, I think you can make the argument, especially because of the investment they put into Mm -hmm. that player. But at the same time, I'm not going to necessarily project that until I see it. That's why I think his low end wide receiver one ranking in Dynasty, given his age where he's almost at 30 there. I think it's fair, like for a contender or really for anybody, like if you want to go out and target a little bit of a dip on Devontae Adams, him going from Aaron Rodgers to Derek Carr, you can do that. But I, at this point, I'm going to have to see him get 30% of the targets to really believe that it's going to happen. It's just like him and Aaron Rodgers, we, we knew it was going to happen on a weekly basis. Devontae Adams is one of the nastiest route runners there is. And I, I'm just not concerned about Waller or Hunter Renfro or anybody really taking his targets away because Devontae Adams needs to rely on Devontae Adams to get open. And... Derek, Derek Carr knows that this is his guy now. This is like, like you follow the money here. You know Derek Carr is excited about this. I have to believe that this is going to be his first look almost every play. I, I think that's fair. I think if you want to be aggressive on Devontae Adams and rank him like the top six receiver he literally is in the NFL, I'm completely fine with that. Let's transition to... The wide receiver two on the offense who is a really great route runner in his own right and that is hunter stanky leg renfro he's going to line up opposite Devonte adams probably out of the slot for the most part and he had a really great year last year for the price you paid to acquire him especially 15.2 fantasy points per game that was good for number 16 uh, at the receiver position and you know one thing I didn't realize until looking into this this morning was that he was kind of a part-time player he played about 66% of the snaps and the the Raiders rewarded this good season he had with a two-year 32 million dollar extension so obviously you know we've talked about Devonte Adams he's the alpha he's gonna probably get at least 25% of the targets if not into that 30% range but do you think there's room for Renfro to maintain wide receiver two relevancy on this offense? Yes, I absolutely believe there is. What? But for what? What's the stanky leg thing about? Is it because he's a good route runner? Or? It's because that that like triple move option or that triple move route that he always did, where it was like inside outside he back inside again. Yeah, okay. and he just got that that stick, man. It's it's got that stanky leg. So that's that's my nickname for him. I, I didn't know if I was missing a reference here, but I I like it. I like it. No, no, no that's, I, I I came up with that. It's all me. All right. Um, but yes, Tarek, I do think there is absolutely a reason to think that um 
he can replicate this wide receiver two season next year and forward because Renfro wasn't lighting it up and hanging 30 points on the board here and there. Like he was just on that consistent grind, maintaining that 15.2 points per game that led him to that wide receiver 16 uh, in points per game. Uh, the case for him continuing this sort of relevancy is that he's going to remain Derek Carr's safety valve. We just talked about how um, Devontae Adams is going to be that first look. Well, guess who is the safety valve? It's Hunter Renfro running out of the slot. And we saw this on tape last year. He's always looking for him um, as as that guy. So I don't think that role is going to change. I'd imagine even more attention is going to be focused on Devontae Adams and Waller, so this should leave a little bit more room for Renfro to eat. So even if he remains that two-thirds player, he was still number two overall in catchable target rate and number two in catch rate at 80.5%. And because of that stanky leg you were talking about, he was number five in target separation. So he's good. He's a good player, and the only thing I can see going down is those uh, red zone targets where he was number six overall, but he's chilling at wide receiver 38 on keep trade cut, and he already has a wide receiver finish under his belt, and that was last year. So the math doesn't add up for me. I have a wide receiver 33, which feels kind of disrespectful until you look at like where you guys have him ranked. Yeah, where do I have him rank? I, I, I was think it's just like 38. Right you're not like super low. I think you're right with market. Oh man, I'm all the way down at wide receiver 44 for Hunter Renfro. So See? I knew to I need to adjust that. I need yeah. to move him up because, you know, I, I do think that he's going to run more than two thirds of the snap this uh, snaps this year. I think they're probably going to play a lot more three receiver sets with guys like Demarcus Robinson and Tyron Johnson just like sprinting down the field doing nothing. And Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro kind of working down low. So um, I, the reason I think he's going to maintain wide receiver two relevancy is because I think he's probably going to run more like 80% of the snaps. And he's still going to maintain at least like an 18% target share. He had a 21.7% target share last year. That number could go down, but I think the overall volume of snaps is going to go up. So I think... One, I need to move him up, and two, I think he's a he's a solid target for for any kind of team build. Yeah, agreed. I mean, he's super young too, so agreed on that front. Yeah, he. I mean, I mentioned Demarcus Robinson, Mac Hollins, Tyron Johnson, Keelan Cole. These are the peripheral options in the receiver room. Are you rostering any of them? No, 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 no. Yeah, neither am I. I. I don't think they're worth uh, sticking on the end of your bench. All right, I'll throw it to you to lead the running back section, Mitch. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, let's talk about Josh Jacobs. Keep trade cuts, running back 22. And so the 24-year-old continues to tumble down the ranks three years after being the 24th overall pick. Uh, he was running back 8 in 2020, running back 11 in 2021, and uh, he was running back number five in receptions at 56 receptions last year, running back 15 points per game at 15.1. And the Raiders said, fuck that, we're out, and opted out of his fifth-year option, drafted Zeus. So, Tarek, is this enough reason for the market fade here? Is the drafting of Zeus and all of these red flags, per se? And, uh, yeah, where do you stand on Josh Jacobs, man? Yeah, I think it's enough. Uh, I mean, I have Josh Jacobs down at running back 26, so that puts me four spots below keep trade cut. 
And he's one spot ahead of Miles Sanders for me. And to be honest, I'm kind of coming around on Miles Sanders faster than I am on Josh Jacobs. So I could see him even going down a little bit more. And the writing is on the wall and you just highlighted it for us, right? They got a new coaching staff who does not give a damn what John Gruden did with those Khalil Mack picks three years ago. This is a coaching staff who I think if things hold from New England likes to spread the ball around to their running backs. They decline that fifth year option, like you said, and they drafted an explosive high pedigree running back in the fourth round in Zamir White. Now, I actually happen to think Josh Jacobs is a talented player. Like, I think he's a good running back. I think they just started to kind of unlock him as a receiver last year, albeit with a different coaching staff. And I think, like, when he has the ball in his hands and his shoulder is not broken, like, even when his shoulder is broken, he's, like, still a good player. So am I going to be mad at anyone targeting him as his cost declines? No, not necessarily, but for all the reasons we've stated, I am not. So he's a hold slash kind of slight sell for me at running back 22. Yeah, Tarek, I don't know what to do with him, man. Like last year, I traded Derek Henry, who was injured at the time for Josh Jacobs straight up for a championship run. Mm -hmm. And I ended up winning the championship, so wouldn't take that trade back at all. But now it's like, what do you do with Josh Jacobs? Like you said, hold seems to be the answer there. But I'm actually not too shy off trying to trade for Josh Jacobs as as well because I I see the fade. I see everybody just kind of getting skeptical here, but I don't know if it's enough for me. Like Zamir White being drafted in the fourth round doesn't necessarily single to me that that's his job yet. If they would have taken a guy a little earlier, maybe. But mm-hmm. but yeah, let's talk about Zamir White here. Um, they took him in the fourth round, and like we've mentioned before in our rookie series, he was a top five recruit out of high school, but he's had two ACL tears in college, and maybe that's what hurt his draft cap. So are you expecting Zeus to play a role in that one year, in that first year? Uh, and is that going to impact your fate of Josh Jacobs? I think he's going to have a role for sure. I think he's going to have probably like five to seven rushes a game to start, right? Like just week one, he's going to get five, six, seven rushes to spell Josh Jacobs. And if he shows the explosiveness that he demonstrated at the combine with a few long runs, right? So I'm thinking about like another Georgia running back, Nick Chubb in his rookie year. Mm -hmm. He came out on limited touches, showed explosiveness, right? If he does that, he could push for more work very fast. Now, I'm not going to expect him to take the lion's share of the work like I did with Nick Chubb because Nick Chubb was kind of another level of prospect, but it wouldn't blow me away. And like I was kind of gesturing to earlier, I think Josh McDaniels wants to do the Patriots thing, and I think he wants to use all of these guys. So yeah, Zamir White is a guy that I have been targeting late in the second round of my rookie drafts. He's a guy that I would look to draft in startups. He's a guy that I think his price to acquire on the trade market is probably worth the juice, right? So yeah, uh, I think he's going to have a small role to start. I think there's a good chance he pushes for more pretty quickly. I think that's a, a good point that I'd like to reiterate here. You you brought up Josh McDaniels. Is this, can we just slap Patriots uniforms on these running backs now? Is that what we <laughs> should be expecting moving forward when we talk about the Raiders running backs? 
Yeah, I mean, and maybe that means we I, I need to be fading them even more in my ranks than I am. But I, I don't know. I think it remains to be seen. I think it's at least enough of signal right now to think all of these guys have a pretty good chance of getting involved. Right. That's that's all I'm saying. I agree. And that brings me to Kenyon Drake. And I say that with a laugh here because I have Kenyon Drake rostered in a couple leagues and I think he's going to be used more than anybody wants to admit. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I'm interested in selling him for nothing because that's exactly what he's worth. Am I losing my mind on this one? I I don't think you're losing your mind. I I think Kenyon Drake, he might have some PPR value as like a third down, you know, hurry up kind of guy. And in certain game scripts, like I can see throwing him in as a desperation flex, right? And there's going to be a lot of those game scripts in this division, right? Like they're playing the Chargers, the Chiefs, and the Broncos. So you can see a lot of third down scripts. But I think, you know, one thing that's worth mentioning is we like legitimately don't know if his ankle is in one piece right now. Um, So if I have shares, like I don't know if this answers your question, but like I'm not dropping Kenyon Drake by any means, but I, I don't think I'd be like looking to acquire, you know, for even not even a throw in. You're just not not into it. Yeah, it's 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 not something that would really register with me. It's not sexy. It, it's going to feel bad, but I, I, I would I would rather get like a third as a throw in, you know. That's fair. But I, I I don't know. It's 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 hard to say. Like I haven't thought about Kenyon Drake in a very long time, but um I you know, Brandon Bolden, you you have him uh True. written down here on the on the show doc. He's a guy that if Kenyon Drake's ankle is not in one piece, he could be taking that role early on. That's just worth mentioning that I've dropped Brandon Bolden in multiple places, but he showed up to camp wearing a Patriots uniform, so I think he's he's shifting the the <laughs> the running back situation there. Good for him. Good for him. All right. Well, let's get the fuck out of this running back situation. Let's move on to the tight ends. Uh, let's talk about Darren Waller, 29 years old. And as we've said before, he's pretty decently young in tight end years. And he's tight end six on keep trade cut at the bottom of our famous top tier of tight ends. So does that make him a value? Or is tight end six baking in the injury concerns and all those new mouths to feed that we just talked about. Yeah, I think Waller might be the contender target or, you know, the the dynasty target that we were touting Kittle as last week. Like he might be even a bigger target just because I think this team is going to throw a lot like they've got a really bad defense. And yes, like a lot of targets are going to go Devonte Adams way. I think there's going to be plenty for Waller too underneath there. And I, I like him as a target kind of in all dynasty team situations. I mean, I'll throw it back to you there because I, I'm a little bit less bullish on Devontae Adams's target share. So maybe it stands to reason that since you're more bullish, you'd be a little bit less on Waller than I am. But what do you think? Yeah, I am a little less on him. I think he is there at tight end six for me. Okay. Like Kittle's my guy. I brought I brought him into that conversation last week. I think Kittle is like easily uh, a top one overall contender this upcoming year. And I don't see the same for Waller. And I don't see the same for Waller because of what you just mentioned because of Devontae Adams. So he's still like a really good tight end to have due to the scarcity of tight ends. But Six works for me. I'm not going out of my way to trade for him. 
Uh, I've actually kind of avoided him in startups too, and that might just be something subconscious going on, but I just feel like where he's being taken in startups is I would rather have players at other positions. Okay. Yeah. So uh, Foster Moreau, uh, <laughs> this interests me. Uh, Tarek, does it interest you at all? He was actually halfway decent last year when he was filling in for Waller when he got hurt late in the season. I've seen Moreau going late in some best ball leagues. You think there's anything there? Maybe a, a breakout? Mm. I, I'm not in the best ball streets, uh, but yeah, he shouldn't be on waivers in dynasty leagues. And if you want to ask for him as a throw in in like a bigger trade, I can appreciate a guy like Foster Moreau on the end of the bench. I think he is a good player. And like you said, he steps into some clear volume when Waller is out. So yeah, I'm, I'm into it. Yeah, right on, man. I, I'm holding on in every league, and I like that. Have him as a, a throw-in piece because, look, Waller hasn't exactly shown health, and this would be breakout year for Foster Moreau if Waller were to go down again. So this would be a guy I'm keeping an eye on. Sure, sounds good. Let's move on to the next team here, the Kansas City Chiefs. At quarterback, uh, Patrick Mahomes. He was the quarterback five in points per game last year, and it was the first year that his yards per attempt dipped below eight. Uh, He did have his best year rushing the ball with 381 yards. And I don't want to bore our listeners here with like, is he still quarterback one or did Justin (laughs) Herbert pass him or should you take Joe Burrow over him now? Like, it doesn't matter. Like Patrick Mahomes, elite dynasty quarterback. But I do want to talk a little bit about the whole like too high safety switch, potentially limiting that offense's verticality. And if that worries you at all for his weekly ceiling, especially now that another aspect of that verticality has left the building in Tyreek Hill. Yeah, noise. You mentioned it. Yeah. And I don't think that Herbert has passed a damn thing. Mahomes is still above him. So I will bore the offense. Thank you. But Yeah, it's all noise. And chances are, if I'm hearing about this noise, Andy Reid has heard about this too high safety thing. So I'm not worried about it, and neither should you. So I'm ignoring it. Mahomes is the best quarterback I've ever seen from an arm talent perspective. He's going to endure the loss of Tyreek Hill. He's going to eventually endure the loss of Travis Kelsey. If I have the second pick in a startup, I'm not even blinking before I hammer the draft button. I'm taking him at number one overall, I think think, but I haven't been forced to make that decision yet. So I'm not sure because Josh Allen still exists. So no, I'm not worried about anything. This guy is a guy I just traded for, as I mentioned earlier in the show. And I think they're going to get him some help. Maybe the guys, maybe one of the guys that we're going to talk about in the wide receiver room is going to rise to the occasion. We'll see. But if I'm putting my money anywhere, it's going to be on Patrick Mahomes. Agreed. That is the correct answer. I am also not worried. It was it was a trick question. So good job, Mitch. Score. All right, let's move on to the wide receivers then. If Mahomes is going to continue down the road of being a top three fantasy quarterback, one or more of these wide receivers are going to have to put up a lot of fantasy points, right? So let's take a look at these guys as a group here. Juju Smith-Schuster, he's 42 on keep trade cut. He's on a one-year deal. They just drafted Sky Moore, 34 on keep trade cut. Uh, MVS 65 on keep trade cut on a three-year deal. That's essentially a one-year deal. There's an out in 2023, but if they don't opt to take it, he'll be making 8.5 mil in 2023. And then you got Mecole Hardman, who sucks. 
So, Tarek, are you leaning toward any of these wide receivers in specific to take those wide receiver one reins? Or do you think Mahomes just spreads it around when Travis Kelsey gets too full from eating all those targets? <laughs> I, I mean, let me echo one thing you said for sure. And Miko Harmon does suck. Like, God, that guy sucks. Like, he's, he's really good bad. on special teams, man. Just fantasy football ain't his game. It's not in his bag. Give up the dream. Um, I mean, I don't know if I'm going to answer your question here, but I'll, I'll try to wade through the waters a little bit. Like Sky Moore is the one you want long term. He's got the elite production profile, second round pick. He can run all the routes at a high level. There's a massive amount of room for his value to grow at wide receiver 34, right? If he shows any kind of like Elijah Moore-esque stretch, right, for three or four games, he's going to be a top 15 dynasty receiver very quickly. And I don't necessarily think you can buy for wide receiver 34 prices in a lot of leagues. But if that's like indicative of his startup price, it's worth, you know, trying to trade up and nab him, etc. Well, let me interrupt you there then, because that, that's a good point. So if you're not expecting much out of Sky Moore at first, somebody else might be. The person that drafted him might see Sky Moore as the de facto starter, right? And if they're not putting up starter numbers off the bat... Do you think that the current manager is going to have a shorter leash? Do you think maybe then? I mean, because the market says to me at 34 that some people are already not valuing him that high. And if this number sinks at all, Sky Moore could be an absolute smash buy. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think if you take the line of reasoning that, okay, you expect a rookie receiver who's good to really start flashing in the middle to the end of the year. If that price goes down in the first eight games, then yeah, sure. I, I can, I can definitely see a scenario in which, you know, four or five weeks in uh, sky Moore becomes a, a screaming value. But like I said, like you're only going to need to see like three, four games of sky Moore flashing, potential and his his price is going to skyrocket to top 15 because he is the wide receiver one for Patrick Mahomes right so I I think right now his his price if if it's true is worth investing in it's worth trying to trade up in a startup Um, otherwise you know if you've got him just hold and and enjoy the ride and then Mm -hmm. if if he he ascends to wide receiver 13 by week eight and you think it's artificial then you can we can talk about selling at that point yeah no i like that man and mvs anything there he's a best ball play like he's always been he's going to be better for juju and kelsey than he is for himself so uh, i do really like juju for 2022 I think he's going to lead the receiver room and targets probably around like 18 to 20% of targets. And I think while that doesn't sound like a whole lot, they're going to be really high value Mahomes targets from the slot. And that's going to return a lot of value on a weekly basis, in my opinion. So wide receiver 42 seems pretty low then if you are projecting him to be the number one guy there this year. Yeah, it's it's worth it's worth the investment. I have Juju Smith Schuster at wide receiver forty one, so I'm not like way above market or anything. But I could see, you know, I have currently DeAndre Hopkins, Chase Claypool, George Pickens ahead of him. I could see myself moving Juju ahead of those guys. Um, I for for redraft and for contenders, I really like him in twenty twenty two. Yeah, I I mean, what if 
the contract were two years. Would that would that change your mind on the rank there if there was a little more security? Yeah, yeah, it would. And I think there's a really good chance that like halfway through the year they give him like a two year extension. Exactly. Or something like that. This could be a tryout. This could be something this could be the value that you the best value that you can get on Juju right now at wide receiver forty two because similar to what you said about Sky Moore, say like game one, Patrick Mahomes and Juju Smith Schuster hook up for like, I don't know, the hundred fifty yards and two touchdowns. Just like <laughs> yeah. His price is never going to be back to wide receiver 42. So I think with these prices, if they're at all accurate, like this is this is the time to get him. I agree. I agree. Let's move on to the running back room. Uh, Clyde Edwards Alaire had a rough second year. His snap share fell as well as his efficiency. He also only had 23 targets in 10 games played, and that was a, supposed to be a strength of his coming out of LSU. He apparently had gallbladder surgery last offseason, and according to him, that caused him to lose like 40 pounds and then injuries stacked up over the years. So, you know, you can take that or leave it. The 23-year-old Clyde Edwards-Alaire is down to running back 29 on keep trade cut. Mitch, you have been a long time, uh, I won't say hater, but CEH disbeliever, <laughs> but is is your hate now tempered by his rapidly deci- declining price? Uh, no, no, there's, there's still a lot of hate, man. If, if we're talking <laughs> star Wars, I'm shooting lightning and shit. Like, no, I, I hate him. The look, the chiefs were fading him in favor of Jarek McKinnon. So I'm not alone. Like last year in the playoffs, they were literally benching him for Jarek McKinnon. They even resigned Jarek McKinnon. Fuck's sake. Anyway, perhaps there was a lot going on with him, like you mentioned. And that all sounds really bad, but what I do know is what I've seen on tape, and look, it wasn't great. And I recognize that he's on a great offense and is the de facto number one back here right now, but it's not enough. Like, he's just not good, and I legit think Ronald Jones is going to take his job at some point during the year. Wow. Uh I, I agree with Market here. I've got him at running back 29, but that is a, that is a hot take there, so let's transition to Ronald Jones he signed a $1.5 million contract, and it's actually got another 3.5 in incentives. He spent the last year and a half getting played off of Tom Brady's field, but any running back who signs with the Chiefs is going to kind of get their share of optimistic sentiment in the market, let's call it. Running back 51 on keep trade cut, so he's not quite in that priority handcuff range like in the 40s, but it sounds like you think he should be, Mitch. So... Even though I think he's bad, I think he has a legit shot to take over Clyde edwards Lair's job early down-wise. And I think Jarek McKinnon has more of the I'm going to take Clyde edwards Lair's passing down role here. So even if they spread it all around, I think it's an ugly situation that the Chiefs need to clean up next year. And I'm honestly only interested in Ronald Jones if I'm A, contending and want like a running back four or five that I think could get some spot starts, or B, if I'm confident that I'm in a league where I could trade him when he eventually takes over that starting job from Clyde. But I don't think it's a situation that he's going to retain past 2023. I mean, I, I'm not, I don't think it's as in the range of outcomes that Ronald Jones takes Clyde Edwards-Alaire's job as you do, clearly. Um, but I mean, 
since you are noted saying like CEH is not good, uh, I see where you're coming from. But I, I mean, I, I can see what you're saying. Like running back 51, like the, the price to acquire is so cheap. And there is a, a, a very clear outcome where he returns way more value than that on your roster. In terms of Jarek McKinnon and Derek Gore, who is the running back four on the roster, I, I probably I'm not going to let either of them be on the waiver wire in my league. But what about you? Not Jarek McKinnon, like I mentioned. I think that he's got a legit shot to get some spot starts and be some real edge of the flex kind of thing, especially if in a deep league. Gore, I rode this train last year. Uh, I I don't think he's good. Okay. All right. All right. Let's go ahead and move on to the tight ends. Kelsey. Yeah, he's pretty good. He's pretty old, too. 32 years old. He's down to tight end three on keep trade cut. This time last year, he was the Lone Ranger on top of the mountain, though, tight end one. So I think conventional wisdom suggests that you trade away Travis Kelsey for a young tight end and a pick. We've suggested that before. So let's zag instead of zig. Does tight end three open a buy window for a contender? And uh, how much longer do you think Kelsey can do this? Do you think that the absence of that true wide receiver one makes Kelsey more of an attractive target to a contender, Tarek? Yes. Uh Kelsey's my clear tight end one for 2022. And that in and of itself makes him like clear tight end three in dynasty for me. So I agree with the market there. I think given that Tyreek Hill is gone, I think we're going to see closer to the, like the 25 to 26% target share than the 22 that we saw last year. And like for contenders, does that make him a buy? I mean, sure. Like price dependent. Uh, Let me ask you, like, would you pay a 2023 first for him? Like, I saw that a few times on the DLF trade finder. Yeah, I would. If if I was a tight end away or hell, I've I've dabbled with this idea. I have Kittle on a squad and I've still thought about tossing a 2023 first for Kelsey just to roll out the fucking cannons in a tight end premium. Wow. You know, like it's not a bad option. Like. Yeah, you understand that he's old and you understand that you might just get a year out of him, but you might get two tight end one seasons out of him as well. So a 2023-1 is a really valuable piece, no doubt. But winning a championship is pretty cool too. And yeah, if that's all he costs, then like buy the quote-unquote dip. Yeah, I, w- I would go for it if I'm, you know, aces everywhere else and, and that's going to make me a juggernaut. I would do that pretty easily, I think. And yeah, I think Kelsey's got two more years in him, like at least like I think he is he's like special, you know, mm-hmm. like I think he's going to play into his 30s and he's going to be great. Yeah. Uh, Noah Gray, I guess. Who uh, you want to <laughs> who I have him in a few leagues uh, looking to change that. Hit me up, boys. Uh, his value is rising as Kelsey is aging, but not because of his own contributions, right? Or no? Yeah, I, I don't have Noah Gray anywhere. I mean, he's usually rostered second year player out of Duke. I think, I think, like I said, Kelsey's got at least two more years. And like in the event that Travis Kelsey got hurt, like I would not expect Noah Gray to take a meaningful target share. Oh, like I would sell him so fast. Yeah, like we talked about Foster Moreau earlier. Like I don't expect that out of Noah Gray. Yeah. So I I would probably use that roster spot elsewhere. Oh shit! It's not halftime. Now, why did you do it? 
You know you got the mad fat fluid when you rhyme. It's halftime. All right, let's uh, let's go ahead and skip halftime. Let's go to the La Chargers. Let's go to L.A. Some guy named Justin Herbert plays quarterback. Uh, if you have the third overall pick in a super flex startup, this is your new guy. This is your quarterback. So I guess that he is actually quarterback two on keep trade cut now. I don't believe there's much to debate when it comes to his place in the top tier, though. So Tarek, as somebody that just recently traded away Justin Herbert, why don't we play a little devil's advocate and talk to me about why you should add Herbert to your squad at this current price at quarterback two and what that might take. Ooh, I, I mean, I've traded away a Justin Herbert share, but I've also acquired a Justin Herbert share within the last month or so. So, you know, for Matt, for me, at least he's he's a, a little bit more liquid than you might think, uh, at least in my experience. But you know, if you've got the firepower to pay for Herbie, like within reason, do it. Right. I, I I paid Trevor Lawrence and two twenty three first for him in a league where I had five twenty twenty three firsts. Right. And I just asked myself, would I rather have Trevor Lawrence and five firsts or Justin Herbert and three firsts? And the answer came to me very quickly. Right. Justin Herbert and three firsts every time. So like, you know, if you only have two twenty three firsts. Like, I probably wouldn't do that deal because you just kind of deplete your war chest. Mm -hmm. But look, I mean, do I have to make a bull case for Herbert? It's like he's locked in for 10 years. He's the perfect mix of super aggressive arm. He uses his legs a lot, but like not too much to where you're worried about his health. Right. And he's got a great infrastructure around him, like good weapons. The Chargers are like building their team smart and their coaching staff is excellent. So I don't know what else to say, man. Like, yeah, there, it's pretty easy to make the bull case. You could say howitzer. That, I think it's everybody's favorite shit to say on yeah. TV. It's like, hey, let's try out this word today. Howitzer. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, some kind of World War II weapon he's got attached to his arm, apparently. Yeah, that's really nice. I'm sure he loves that. <laughs> All right, uh, let's, move, let's move on to the wide receivers. We got Mike Williams at wide receiver 32, and we got Keenan Allen at wide receiver 31. That's pretty neat. Mike Williams just signed a shiny new three-year, $60 million contract, and uh, their finishes last season are right in line with their fantasy points per game last year as well. Keenan Allen is coming off a wide receiver 10 overall finish at 16.1 points per game, putting him at wide receiver 11. And Mike Williams finished wide receiver 12 on 15.4 points per game, putting him at wide receiver 13. So these two are in store for huge seasons. Doesn't this seem a bit inconsistent with uh, where Herbert is ranked, though? If, uh, yeah, they're in the 30s and we got our guy... Howitzer Herbie up at quarterback two? I, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a few things, right? Like their ranking there, it's like a mutual hedge against one another, right? Two, Keenan Allen, he's crested 30. And like no matter how good he is, that's always going to, to ping his value in the dynasty landscape. And then three, Mike Williams, he took like forever and a day to fully break out. And even then, like last year, he started off so strong, right? And then he had kind of a slow middle to the season and he finished pretty strong again, right? So I, I think those three things are kind of why you're seeing it play out there. Now, with all of that being said, 
I think it is a great idea to go out and target one of these guys with your fake dynasty money, right? And I lean Mike Williams because of the years and the fact that I think Mike Williams' role change to like more of an intermediate player rather than that like deep jump ball guy that he was for the first four years. I think that change is real and I think it's permanent and I think it's really good for fantasy, right? So I've got both Keenan Allen and Mike Williams a bit ahead of market, but right next to each other. I'm also hedging, right? It's just, it's a really hard area to rank, man. Like um, if I look at my wide receiver rankings, it's like in that area, we've got like Mike Evans, Traylon Burks, Garrett Wilson, you know, Marquise Brown, Rashad Bateman. It's it's really difficult to rank there. So I, I've got them right at wide receiver 26 and 27. That's that's funny. I have them at 27 and 28 and they're they're <laughs> back to back. And look, you know, we're we're still ahead of market and just barely. Right. Yeah. But that's what it takes sometimes in a startup. And these guys are going to give you just so much more reward than where you're taking them. And like, I know we're playing dynasty, but these two are going to be here for a couple years. Mm -hmm. And like, this could be a good segue as well. There's not a whole lot going on behind these guys either. Like, this is a one-two punch on offense, and there's no third hand coming out of nowhere. Yeah, I mean... I know I may be jumping the gun here a little bit, but I love Josh Palmer's value at cost, man. Like wide receiver 71. It's bad. Like yeah. he, he will he will outperform that this year. If Keenan Allen and Mike Williams are healthy the whole year, he'll outperform wide receiver 71, like guaranteed. And if one of the other guys gets hurt, I, I think he's got a clear path to be a top 36 receiver week in and week out. And suddenly, like, I'm not saying that if he gets to that level, you should celebrate and like, you know, Josh Palmer's on my roster forever. What that means is you've got lots of chances to cash out, right, at his current wide receiver 71 value. Yeah, you're right. There were there were a few moments last season where Joshua Palmer looked like he was about to take a next step and then he disappeared. Right. And and I'd like to see it happen a little bit more consistently but he's got a shot as long as he stops getting beaten out by guys like Goiton. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, maybe I'm discounting the amount of routes that Jalen Guyton runs, but I, I think I would expect Josh Palmer to start taking over that wide receiver three duty. His his route running's pretty sick. Yeah, there's been a few times he's popped up on my on my sites where I'm like, oh, look at him go, Joshua Palmer. Number five. He's an athlete, man, and they they've spent that early third round draft capital on him, and I think he showed enough in his first year to to say wide receiver seventy one is is too low. He would be like the perfect candidate to be a wide receiver handcuff. I wish Trey were here to to hear me say that out loud. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of handcuffs, let's move on to the running back position. Austin Eckler is coming off the best year of his career. He was number two in points per game in 2021, only behind Jonathan Taylor. This offseason, he's been pretty vocal about not wanting to carry the same kind of load that he took on last year. He had 276 total touches last year. He's passed the AJ Pex, but he's likely going to be projected as a top five running back option for at least the next year or two. And then even past that, like this is the the type of player whose game could age really well, right? If he's not taking on 250 to 300 touches every year. 
So Mitch, let me ask you this. Like, would you acquire an Austin Eckler share for one of the younger, like elite value guys like DeAndre Swift, Najee Harris, Javante Williams, and like a significant piece attached? That's going to be a no for me, Doug. Um, wow. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's too late because of what you just said. He, he passed the age apex. And so why would you give up any of these young and up and comers? Like, I, I don't know. Eckler or Mixon, Tarek? Um, I have, I'll, I'll go Eckler. Yeah. Right. But I feel like there's that brief, like, eh, but there's hesitation. Yeah. I could see the argument for Mixon. Yeah. And so like when you say Eckler or Brees, you know, there are arguments both ways and, and because there are arguments both ways, it's just not enough for me to want to switch off of my younger piece. Now Mm -hmm. where I could start negotiations, however, are with guys like Cam Akers or David Montgomery, or Kenneth Walker, or Antonio Gibson, plus a piece for Eckler. Okay. Like, that's where I'm more comfortable. Maybe A.J. Dillon, you know, somebody like that. But, no, I'm not I'm not talking Swift. Um, I did read today, though, that Eckler uh, is, uh, he's got a new book coming out. He actually worked with Keyshawn Johnson. It's called Don't Give Me the Damn Ball. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so Eckler's a sell for you, then? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Interesting. I mean, like I sold Javante Williams earlier in the offseason for what ended up being Austin Eckler and Michael Pittman. Like, would that interest you, Javante Williams for Austin Eckler and Michael Pittman? Yeah, I do. And I think that's a good trade. I do. Okay. Like, they're, I'm not saying like I'm I'm out on the guy. I like him. I, I like Austin Eckler. I just... I, I think I'm airing youth most of the time, but when you bring in a young stud wide receiver, I think I, that changes the conversation, you know? Sure, sure. All right, so Isaiah Spiller, he uh, slugged his way through the pre-draft process, kind of fell from a consensus top three rookie running back option to outside of most people's top five, but he might have stumbled into the best role of the bunch outside of maybe Brees Hall, right? So... Mitch, are you buying or selling Isaiah Spiller at running back 35? Okay, I think I'm selling, but it's kind of interesting how I got there. So I was the high guy originally on Spiller through the pre-draft process. Like, yep. at one point, I liked him more than Kenneth Walker, and I couldn't longer justify that after the draft happened. He landed in a favorable situation, though, in the fourth round, but, you know, that's nothing like that second-round draft cap. So... Uh, with that in mind, I'm honestly surprised to see where the market is here. Like running back 35 is really high and suggests that some people have got to think that Spiller might be in line to inherit that number one running back role in L.A. or at least like be part of the game plan early on. Yeah, Uh, because he's about as expensive as handcuffs get like running back 35 price gets him right behind Damian Harris, Damian Pierce two running backs that like have legit shots to start on their team. So mm-hmm. yeah, I guess I'm out for now until people realize that he's not going to do anything behind Eckler early in the year. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the narrative is that LA has been searching for somebody to take on Melvin Gordon's touches since he left and they failed with Josh Kelly. They failed with Larry Roundtree and and they spent a fourth round pick on Isaiah Spiller in hopes that he could be that guy. Like I have him running back 42. He's a little bit more right in the middle of the handcuffs for me. But I, I can appreciate the argument 
if you are somebody who believes in Isaiah Spiller's talent, um, which I'm I'm dubious about. So what does that even mean, though? It's like I believe in his talent to a certain degree, but I've seen him go in the first round of a rookie draft as well. And like, I mean, that's that's too high. But I, I don't like let. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Let me let me lay out the scenario for you then, because it's like if we believe that Austin Eckler's not going to take as many touches, right? Maybe instead of 200 rushes, Austin Eckler has 125 rushes and like 75 receptions, right? So he's more of that hybrid back. And that frees up like uh, at least 100 rushes, if not more, for somebody like Isaiah Spiller. Maybe Isaiah Spiller, or it could be the McClusterfuck of Joshua Kelly, Larry Roundtree, and Isaiah Spiller, right? So Yeah, I, I mean, I think Josh Kelly and Larry Roundtree have, have proven themselves to uh, be bad. Yeah, yes. so but they'll be there but anyway. Yeah, yeah. Let, let's let's move on to the tight end room. Gerald Everett got a two year, twelve million dollar contract with eight million guaranteed from the Chargers. And that's that is starting tight end money. Right. So he had his best year last year on the Rams in terms of fantasy points per game. But that was with a very depressing seven point nine. However, like with a starting role on tap for Justin Herbert's offense, Tight end 27 on keep trade cut is looking like a mighty attractive price to me. How do you feel about it, Mitch? Oh, yeah. This guy gets the morals stamp of approval here. Like, Gerald Everett is such a me tight end. Old enough, like, to have that kind of breakout thing done with. You didn't have to hold on to him. And now he's in a great place to actually be useful. So, uh, yeah, uh, wheels up. Like, he had his best year last year in terms of fantasy points per game. And, like, yeah, I, I'm about it, man. Yeah. Uh, Jared Cook, the the corpse of Jared Cook, had 8.3 fantasy points per game last year. So, you know, with Justin Herbert going into his third year, I think we can expect that to be the absolute floor for Gerald Everett. So I think he's going to outperform uh, that dynasty ranking pretty easily. Yeah. I mean, tight end 27, like... You know what it says on keep trade cut? It says he's worth an early third in 2024. Brian Edwards. Like, come on, man. Yeah, like, go. Easy. you have no excuse to not have him on your team. If this works out, like, you're going to be able to get so much value from such a little trade or toss in here. Yeah, he, he's still quite young and, and a very, very good athlete. So I, I totally agree. All right, let's move on to this last team we're going to talk about today, and that is the Denver Snow Donkeys Nay. at quarterback. The Seahawks offloaded Russell Wilson to the Snow Donkeys for a few picks, Drew Locke and Noah Fant. And that package, it's it's never going to feel like enough for a quarterback of Russell Wilson's prowess. But alas, he's in Denver. He's the quarterback eight on keep trade cut. The refrain for the last several years has been let rest cook let russ cook excuse me and uh pete carroll never fully unleashed him at least for more than a few games at a time so do we think mitch that nathaniel hackett coming over from green bay will allow this quarterback to let it rip yeah i think we're finally going to get to see what we want to see i think russ is going to be in the kitchen and i'm excited man i, I can't wait to see what he does with this offense, these wide receivers, this running game, like, that's that's a good point. The running game, like, this is a complete team for Russell Wilson to 
to attack in a lot of different ways. Like he's a smart quarterback too. So yeah, I I have high expectations for for him, and I have him at quarterback eight in startups in superflex. Like I can absolutely justify taking him at the end of the first round, early second. Like uh, he's young. He's what 33, 34? Yeah, yeah. He's thirty three and a half. So yeah, right there. Yeah, young enough. Uh, he still runs. He like. He's got a team around him. This this is the year. This is the year that he gets that shit together. What do you think, Tarek? Oh, I 100% agree. I mean, I have him right in with Margaret here at quarterback eight. I, I think a lot of people will probably tell you that there's like a tear break there kind of between Joe Burrow, Dak Prescott and Russell Wilson. And yeah, maybe. Uh, but at the same time, I think like there's there is some real like top three quarterback for the next five years potential here. Um, mm-hmm. in Denver with these weapons, right? With the best offensive line that he's had probably since he won a Super Bowl. So um, yeah, I'm in for sure. Wheels up, baby. All right, well, let's get on to the wide receivers then. Uh, I think this is Sutton versus Judy episode 10. So <laughs> I, uh, I'm tired of debating these guys. So it's not. Uh, you have to be a little optimistic about both though, especially if you weathered the tropical shitstorm in Denver last year with Drew Locke at the helm. More like Drew Cock, am I right? Yeah, man. Bet you haven't heard that one before, huh? Huh? So you got wide receiver 27, Jerry Judy. You got wide receiver 29, Sutton. Eh, Brought up an interesting question. Uh, Would you rather have both of these wide receivers on your dynasty squad or both of the Chargers wide receivers we just talked about? Oh, yeah. I mean, according to my rankings, I would rather have both Chargers receivers. And that's just because, like, I know they are both really good players. And, like, I think... Sutton especially, but also Judy. I think they're good, but I know Mike Williams and Keenan Allen are really good. So, yeah, yeah, that's a bit of a test of philosophy there. You know, young and full of potential versus older and proven. Alas, 2021, Sutton had 58 receptions. Judy had 38, but he missed six games. And then old Pim Tatrick had 53. Yikes. Locke is gone, though, so Russ is in town. Uh, Tarek. Do you think Sutton or Judy, and I won't make you choose which one, separates themselves from the pack this year? And, uh, yeah. I mean, you you won't make me choose one, but I'll do it for you. I actually do prefer Sutton to Judy a little bit, and I, I think he's got a higher ceiling as, like, the DK mm-hmm. Metcalf-esque size speed guy on the outside that Russ is just going to love to throw it up to downfield. I mean, I think both... Sutton and Judy, I think they both have wide receiver one ceilings, like just like DK and Lockett Mm -hmm. did on a weekly basis on a run heavy team too. Right. So I'm obviously like not projecting that, but it's, it's very much within the range of outcomes. That's just what Russell Wilson does. Yeah. We have to expect an uptick in receptions. Like I don't think that we're going to be seeing either Sutton or Judy in the fifties. No, Uh, we got to, but, you know, Tim Patrick is a wrench in this plan, too. I mean, mm-hmm. wh- where do you have him? Is he is he just an annoyance still? I mean, you're an angry guy, right? Is this your man? <laughs> I am an angry guy. I, I mean, I like Tim Patrick just fine. Like, I think he's a good player. Like, I have him, like, a little bit below his keep trade cut ranking, which is what, like, wide receiver 60-something. Uh, I, I've got him at wide receiver 71, 
Um, so yes, I think he will be annoying and I think he will probably outproduce like the rank that I have him at, um, but I don't know. I'm just, I, I guess I, I'm factoring that into where I'm ranking both Sutton and Judy, right? Like I have them in my thirties for my wide receiver ranks. So, but I think they both have really high ceilings. It's just, I'm kind of hedging all around right now. And Tim Patrick is part of that. All right. Well, I have a surprise question that you can't hedge on then. If Judy doesn't get it together this year, is he a bust? Uh, Like if he's not injured and he doesn't have like, you know, a top 24 year. Yeah. Something like that. So he finishes outside the top 30 this year. I, yeah, I think I think he's. Uh, yeah, I think he'd probably be considered a bust. Yeah, at that point, I don't yeah. know. I, I'm kind of this ain't 2012 anymore, man. You, like you don't get three or four years to break out. Well, like, and like you don't get a, a second chance. I don't think with Russell Wilson either. Like if he, yeah, if this offense doesn't click, I think they're gonna replace the parts to make it click next year. Yeah, they'll shake it up. I think that's a good call. Right, let's move on to the running backs. Uh, pretty interesting room here. Javante Williams lived up to his tackle breaking reputation last year. He had 81 evaded tackles on only 246 opportunities. He was seventh in yards created per touch. He finished with just over 900 rushing yards and 300 receiving yards. And then Melvin Gordon had 76 evaded tackles on 231 opportunities also had about 900 rushing yards and just over 200 receiving yards. Like basically these guys had identical seasons on an almost uncanny split of snaps and touches. So the 22-year-old Javante Williams is running back four on keep trade cut. The 29-year-old Melly Gordon is running back 47. <laughs> I mean, Mitch, how are you breaking this backfield down in 2022 and just like moving forward for Dynasty? Yeah. Well, I'm going to say some words that Javante Williams managers don't like. And uh, that's with Javante, you're going to have to be a little bit more patient. And mm -hmm. look, that's just the way it is. Things will never be the same. Like, I think, look, I think eventually he's going to be that guy. But yeah. with this year, with uh, with Melvin Gordon coming back, I don't think it's going to be this year. I think it's going to be really similar to last year. And I think it does knock Javante down a tad in my rankings, but I had him at three and I'm talking about knocking him down to four. So I'm not like, oh, no, let's freak out. Like, Javante Williams is still 21 years old. Right. I think. Maybe he turned 22. I doubt yeah, it. Yeah, I think he's, like, about to turn 22. He's he's very, very young. But, yeah. I he, mean, you, you've got, like, two or three Titans jerseys hanging behind you. Mm -hmm. d d this kind of reminds me of, like, DeMarco Murray, Derrick Henry a little bit. Yeah, it's it's kind of a, a passing of the guard here because Melvin Gordon it, is not going to last longer than this year as like splitting those carries. I just can't see it happening. This is what happens to running backs at this age. Like mm -hmm. you want to root for Melvin Gordon's a great running back. And yeah, he's really good. And like I know Javante managers want him to go away, but he's not going to do it. So and so while you have to be patient with Javante, I think you need to be aggressive with Melvin right now. I think you need to go out and get him. If you envision yourself as a contender, like this could be a key piece of your championship roster because he's pretty fucking cheap. Like yeah. if you can get Melvin Gordon for a 2024 second round pick, like who cares about 2024 right now? Like 
he's going to return far more value than running back 47 for this year. And I understand that it's a one-year rental most likely, but he could still show up somewhere next year and give you some starts, I'd imagine. Yeah, if you're a good active manager, you should be able to make up that 2024 second. Uh, I, I can I can get down with that. I mean, just to like throw back to the uh, be patient with Javante Williams thing. It's also like take the good with the bad, you know, like, yeah, maybe he'll be splitting touches for another year, but he's still very young. And that also keeps like those touches off his body. So he's going to last that much longer, you know, and like he's a good player. So we expect him to be dynasty relevant even past his first contract. So Melvin could always explode, you know, shit happens. All right, let's wrap this thing up. Let's move on to the tight ends with Albert. O. keep trade cuts. Got him at tight end 15. Uh, He's still up seven spots from uh, when Fant got traded to the Seahawks. So sounds about right to me. Not quite a tight end one. Uh, He's shown potential and now he has Russ in town. So, I know some people are out there believing he's going to make that leap. Are you one of those people, Tarles? Uh, he'll make a leap insofar as he's leaped up to tight end 14 for me, kind of right with market. So, boy, you know, Al- Al- Alberto is <laughs> he's a I love that sound effect, man. Alberto, he's a he's a target rate king, right? He unfortunately only ran a route on 30 percent of the available targets last year. So. I think he's got a shot at like a 15 to 20% target share. And that's probably going to be good for like a back end top 12 season. Like I said, I've got him at tight end 14. I mean, if you want to shoot your shot, like go ahead. Yeah. I mean, like we've said, like once you get outside those top six to eight tight ends, just shoot your shot, bruh. Yeah. I, I think there is a world where like Russell Wilson just falls in love with Albert O and he becomes yeah. absolutely relevant becomes like a top six seven guy it's it's absolutely possible but i mean you're probably gonna have to pay a little more than you want to at this current juncture but i don't know right like is is he gonna be like the jimmy graham double digit touchdown year in seattle like that's possible like if if russ falls in love with him but i don't think we should necessarily project yeah like i just mentioned though if if you're gonna just trade a second round pick i might as well just go get melly instead agreed yeah i like that all right and last and perhaps least sweet fucking milk dolce de greg dolchich you like him (laughs) i don't i'm lactose intolerant so why don't you take it away Tarek? wrap us up yeah, I'm I'm happy to uh, bring back one of our only coined nicknames from the offseason, and that is Greg Sweet Milk Dulcich. Uh, I mean, yeah, he's a receiving tight end. They drafted him on day two. He's a really solid athlete, you know, kind of like a 70 to 80 percentile athlete across the board. But, you know, like I find myself like not getting a whole lot of him in rookie drafts because there's like always someone else who's willing to reach over a few running backs that I like in the mid to late third round. So yeah, like I like him. I like his name. I like his nickname, Sweet Milk. But I'm not saying you should go out and aggressively target him, whether in rookie drafts or on the trade market. I mean, usually I'm kind of drafting a running back in that range and then getting uh, Daniel Bellinger from the Giants like for for free later. So um, but yeah, he's he's a guy that if you have on your roster, definitely worth a stash. If you have Albert O, are you 
Are you looking to add the sweet milk? It's it's not really going to come into the calculus. You don't give a shit. Would you then trade Albert O for the sweet milk plus? Would that be more up your alley? Nah, I, I would rather make the bet on Albert O if, I, if I'm in that position. Yeah. Rather, rather drink that Albert O milk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 2%. Albert O's. He should really do cereal. That's what they should yes. do. Milk yes. and cereal. There it is. Albert, Albert O's. O's and sweet milk, baby. Love it. Love it. All right. I think we found our episode title there at the end. <laughs> yeah. Hope, hope you made it this far, boys and girls. We appreciate you listening. <laughs> Absolutely. That's going to do it for episode 61 of The Long Game. We'll see y'all next week. Now